Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. This is Nathan Harper. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions today. And we hope that God is uh, blessing you. You're noticing God's blessings uh, in your life, um, that you walk out with him in, in his presence, but also in his power as you make Jesus known wherever you go. You know, one one time, this was a several years ago, I was in a uh, church small group. I was in a small group meeting, and um, I was visiting as a, uh, I was a member of the church, but I was, uh, it was a large church, and so I was, my wife and I were visiting the small group because um, we were trying to find a, a group that we could connect with, and we didn't really feel like we connected with this group when, uh, during the prayer request time, um, one of the one of the gentlemen said, "Yeah, would you pray for uh, pray for our family? Our son is um, is having to decide uh, which college to go to, which university to attend, and he's having a hard time deciding between Harvard and Yale." And I, at first, I thought it was a joke, you know, because here I am from Northeast Mississippi, and I went to community college, and you know, I was. I, I didn't end up with a very high GPA after that. Um, and uh, so anyway, that was that was on me. That was not on him. And I'm not sure which uh, school the, the young man uh, decided to go to. Well, today, as our uh, on our on our program today, we have someone not far from Yale University up in New Haven, Connecticut. We have with us Pastor Justin Kendrick. Uh, Justin, thank you for being with us this morning. It's an honor to be with you. Thanks for having me. So you're the pastor, a church planter of Vox Church in New Haven, Connecticut. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your church and the community there? Yes, sir. So New Haven, Connecticut is an amazing city. You know, uh, it always ranks tragically uh, from the Barna organization at the very bottom of the most churched cities in America. So fewer people attend church, follow Jesus, read the Bible than almost anywhere else in the United States. And so uh, it's a unique city to be doing ministry in, but right in the center of the city is Yale University. And so uh, 11 years ago, actually, this, this fall, 11 years ago, myself and eight other friends started a church and started a church really with a dream of seeing New England changed from the least church region in the United States to the most spiritually vibrant place on earth. And um, we had been, I grew up in New England, and, uh, you know, we had been connected to Christian ministry across New England for years and really just not seen things grow, not seen things expand. You hear all over the country about churches reaching people and growing. And I think the average church in New England is under 60 people. It's, you know, most buildings, most church buildings are long past their prime. And um, and this really small group of people just began to pray, seek God, and reach out to some of the most educated, intelligent, incredible people on the planet. You know, kings and princes from all over the world come to New Haven, live here, get their education here. And the Holy Spirit started to move. And this was 11 years ago. Now, uh, we are now in 
nine different locations. We've planted nine different churches across New England. Six are in the 10 largest New England cities. So we're in six of the 10 largest New England cities. So now it's not just New Haven, it's Bridgeport, it's Hartford, it's Worcester, Massachusetts, Springfield, Massachusetts, and on and on. And so um, we've seen an incredible move of the Holy Spirit. And what we found is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is just as powerful today as it was in the book of Acts. And it doesn't matter what your GPA is. Uh, we have a hole in our heart that desperately cries out for God. And so it's been amazing to watch, really at this point, thousands of students, professors, uh, all types of different people across the spectrum uh, connect to Jesus, connect to the local church, and find purpose and eternal life in Christ. So what an incredible ride it's been these 11 years. You know, when I hear that story, Justin, I can't help but thinking about how God does things. Here was an area the most vibrant area for Christ in uh, when That's America right. began. I mean, all of those universities that you talk about were started mainly as as colleges to train pastors and missionaries right. so they could reach this new world and then drift, drift, drift until it became the most unchurched. And now here, God, <laughs> I, I, I love our God. He, um, I, I believe he does have a sense of humor, you know, that that he'd say, okay, you think you're dead. I'm, I'm going to bring it alive. Lazarus, I know that wasn't funny, but can you imagine when Jesus yeah. said, Lazarus, come forth, there was some folks there just laughing and saying, who does he think he is? And then Lazarus comes out and uh, they unwind him and let him go. So wouldn't, I, I just, when I hear your story, uh, Justin, I get excited that God is able to raise up that which was dead, that which was right. uh, sick, and bring it to vibrancy. I, uh, listen, those church plants, that's exciting. And in the locations, that was this purposeful, or is it just uh, this is what happened along the way? Yeah, you know, we, uh, we started praying 11 years ago that promise in the Old Testament that God is faithful to a thousand generations. And, you know, um, no exaggeration, we've visited and walked in the footsteps of Charles Finney, Jonathan Edwards, D.L. Moody, and so many of the other leaders, um, George Whitfield's buried up in New England, uh, and just said, God, you were faithful to these leaders in the past. Would you remember your promises to them? Would you remember your promises to the pilgrims who came over on the Mayflower and committed their lives to Christ and this land to Jesus? And would you honor those prayers? And so, We've always said from the beginning, the dream was to really impact as many people across New England. So focusing on urban centers, focusing on cities, on population centers, and then planting from there. And then anything we can do as a church to strengthen other churches in New England. So there's been a lot of kind of camaraderie, unity, which has not been the last hundred years of history in New England church. And so that's been exciting, too. But um you know, you could say it was intentional, but at the same time, you know, God just does what He wants to do. And so uh, we did have dreams and plans, but um, then the Holy Spirit just took things and the wind started to blow. Amen. Well, Justin, can you uh, tell us a little bit more of your own personal spiritual journey? Yeah. How how did you—and and I believe you said you grew up in New England, so how did you I first did. Um, hear the gospel and— and respond to that, and maybe how has God led you, uh, maybe t- toward uh, you? I'm assuming you have a family, and and yeah. uh, so how how did God work in your life that way? 
Yeah, you know, Bert and Nathan, I'm sure if you look at your story and everybody listening today, if, if we look at our story, we see that um, there really is an architect behind the scenes, that he is setting things up, putting things in place. And, um, you know, for me, I grew up in New England. I grew up a product of this area, you know, uh, a non-practicing Catholic is what we would probably go by. My parents were divorced when I was seven, didn't have much spiritual focus. That is the template for so many New Englanders, you know, uh, did well in school, um, you know, kind of that pressure to succeed, very fast-paced life. This was this was my story. And my dad, after uh, my parents were divorced, really found his way into a church in downtown New Haven and started for the first time hearing the gospel. His life was changed. He bought me and my older brother. And, and honestly, the church services were so long because we were used to 20-minute Catholic services, you know, that uh, we'd go to twice a year. And so these were an hour and a half or two hours of singing and music that we would always leave. We'd always leave halfway through, and I never heard the preaching. And it wasn't until I was a teenager that we actually stayed, and I heard the preaching. And the first time I heard the gospel preached, a simple presentation of who Jesus was, what he did, the fact that he rose again, the fact that he gave his life for my sins, that grace was available to me. I can remember so clearly as a teenage kid just being stunned. And, you know, some people have a story of, I was searching for God all these years. That is not my story. I was not searching for God. He was searching for me. And uh, and he was looking for me when I was not looking for him. And as a teenager, I encountered Jesus in a personal way that changed me. You know, I caught a glimpse of the the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. Right? I think that's yeah. how Paul put it. But uh, I caught a glimpse of that glory. I didn't have words for it then, but um, but it changed me fundamentally from that moment on. And that seed of the Holy Spirit started to grow. As a teenage kid, I can remember so clearly in high school, you know, just um, not being able to go the way of my friends anymore. And my friends just saying, what in the world happened to you? And oftentimes my answer was, guys, I don't even know. I don't even know. My life has just been changed. I just, I need to obey and follow Jesus. And so, you know, coming out of high school, I wanted every good reason to get out of New England. I really did. I thought, I'm going to go to some Christian school. I'm going to go far away. I'm never coming back to New England. But uh, there's a lot of twists and turns. But again and again and again, I continue to feel the Holy Spirit call me back to this place. And uh, and I have felt my whole life a sense of calling that God really did set me up to be a church planter here, to be a pastor here, and to invest my life here. And so uh, my wife and I, we met early. Uh, we, uh, we met at—I was 15. She had just turned 16. And so, you know— it's young. I have a 15-year-old son now, so it's terrifying to me that uh, <laughs> that he might be meeting his wife sometime soon. But uh, but we we dated, you know, um, five and a half years. Got married out of college, and uh, you know, committed our relationship to Jesus from the beginning. Stayed pure, uh, committed our 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 purity to Christ, um, and got married. And there's been a favor and a blessing on our home. We have three sons, and uh, we have an adopted daughter who. Um, has an incredible story herself. She was adopted. Uh, she came home with us at three days old from our city, from New Haven, born in the city of New Haven. And, um, and so she's, you know, still connected with some of her biological family in this area, but we were able to adopt her. And so uh, four kids and just been living out this mission and really trying to figure out what does it look like to live biblical community in a place like this and see it spread. And so that's just been the joy of our lives. Well, speaking of that biblical community, you've recently written a book, The Sacred Us, 
And I understand it has some basic principles about living uh, in in the Christ community. You know, uh, that's what was so different about the early church, guys. I mean, there was nothing like it. The synagogues was different than the community church, and they had a lot of issues that they had to deal with. The women, all of a sudden, they had credibility after they'd come to Christ, and they had not had to deal with that anymore. And even the children, Timothy, from a young child was was learning the scriptures from his mother and his grandmother. So, you know, when you look at the community of Jesus Christ and and how we work together, it is an amazing thing. But I here's my <clears throat> thoughts on setting this question up about telling us about that. I found out pastoring here even in the deep south, uh, when you had people in your church that had family members and I'm talking about blood family, they, you know, they stayed that way, and they would commune with others. But when someone would come in to our community, our area, and they had no connections with anyone else, but they were believers, and they came to church, that church became the most vibrant part of their social life, their spiritual life, everything centered around the church. Uh, so if you have a small number of believers in a community— how valuable is the church, Justin? It 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 even becomes more. It's always important, but it really becomes the lifeline, doesn't it? It does, yeah, Bert. I think I think that for many of us, tragically, we've lost that. Right? Like we, the Bible talks about it when when they said, "Hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here to see you." He said, "Who are my mother and my brothers?" And he said, "Behold, those who follow me and those who obey me. These are my mother and brothers." So. Jesus wasn't replacing his family. He always honored his mom. He connected her to John before he left this earth, and he, you know, John cared for her. So Jesus obviously cared for his family, but he also understood that spiritual family can actually go even deeper. And we're called to love our family. We're called to honor our family. But there is this transcendent community, this supernatural community called the church. And I think for a lot of us, you know, the church has become something that we maybe attend or a building that we go to, but that that real community has been lost. And so I wrote this book with the intention of saying, hey, if we don't know how to build that community, if we want to get back to what the Book of Acts described, this daily fellowship, this communion one with another, how do we do it? What are the principles? Because we're a busy people, right? Americans are busy. We've all got our own things going on. But I think that part of it is we have to start to challenge some of this thinking of isolation and individuality and autonomy, and I just want to do my thing. That's a very unbiblical, non-Jesus way of thinking about the world. And so the book really challenges some of those ideas around what does it mean to be a Christian? Is it just a personal relationship with Jesus? Or does it mean that I actually belong to a family, the family of God? And then how? How do we actually live that out? In the book, I outline seven specific principles that are really challenging. I mean, I just recorded the audiobook for this, and uh, while I was reading it, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm convicted. That one I need to grow in. So, yeah. I mean, That's it's like not hearing like, your you know, own sermon, just, isn't it? You know? It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, when it's God's truth, it goes beyond you, and you know, you don't, you don't arrive, you know? And so, um, and so it just outlines seven specific principles that when they are practiced, biblical community grows. And, uh, and I, think, I think right now, especially, 
we need handles for this. We, people are hungry for community, and we need to go, all right, what do we need to do to get back to this? And so that's why I took, uh, took the space and said, I want to get this down on paper and hopefully help some people focus back on what community could look like. So we're speaking with Justin Kendrick today from New Haven, Connecticut. He's the lead pastor. He's a church planter. Uh, the, the church where he pastors is called Vox Church, and it's near Yale University there in New England. Uh, he's also an author of the, the book, The Sacred Us. And uh, Justin, real quickly, and I want to ask a follow-up question, but first, how can our, our listeners um, connect with you, maybe um, find more information about how to, how to purchase and read this book? Yeah, thesacredus.com is, uh, is the website we set up just to get people free resources. And so there's a small group study, there's videos, there's all kinds of information just about how do I start to really grow biblical community, you know, in my circle, in my small group, in my church, what principles can I start to apply? So the sacredus.com, uh, everything's on Amazon, of course, and you can buy the book there as well, but, uh, but that's a good place. And then voxchurch.org is the place that we resource all of this from our church. So uh, we try to make as much as possible just free. The goal is just to help the church, help Christians reconnect, build deeper relationship. Awesome. So I want to ask you a question about about the book, The Sacred Us, um, and just reading a, a short description of it. I, um, I came across one of the principles that you discuss uh, talking about um, proximity that provides opportunity. And I was thinking about um, uh, the, your work there as a church planter and a pastor, but also just in general the the mission that God has called all of us to live on and to be a part, how we're sent out people. Um, and this idea of proximity is is greatly important to to seeing people around us uh, hear the good news, experience the good news of Jesus, and to and to follow Him as a disciple. Can you speak to that a little bit about what what do you mean proximity that provides opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. I think we are living in a world that is more connected than ever in our digital contacts, in our phones, in our Zoom meetings, in our emails, and everything else, and yet at the exact same time, more distant than ever. And so, you know, you get into a elevator with some people you don't know, and the natural inclination of every one of us is to grab our phone and stare at it till that little thing dings and we walk out, right? And so we don't know how to be present. We don't know how to actually engage the people around us, and actually be available. And so, you know, I think most people, if you say, hey, do you have anyone that you would drive across the country for just to be next to them? I think most people would say, yes, yes, I have a couple people like that. But then the follow-up question is, well, have you ever done that? And I think most people in theory think, hey, I'd be there for you. But then in practice, you know, I'm too busy. I got too much going on. And uh, and I think one of the one of the keys is that opportunity for spiritual growth, opportunity for deep relationship, opportunity for uh, knowing God happens when we're together. And so, you know, the Bible's clear about it, right? Don't forsake the gathering together. Obviously, it's talking about these church gatherings, but at that time, the church gathering was very often a small group, someone over your house, doing communion together over your table. And so relationship, community, it all starts with prioritizing space to simply say, hey, I'm going to make space in my time. And it's fun in my life because, you know, I think a lot of people, we have space for 
football practice and school and, you know, everything else. And, you know, for parents, your child has what, like a 0.002% chance of being a professional athlete, right? <laughs> and a hundred percent chance of standing before Jesus one day. And so I think, I think we just need to prioritize the space with other Christians unto spiritual growth. And so proximity, that's what it's all about. I love in the, you know, in the Greek language, you've got these four words for love. And C.S. Lewis made this famous a lot of people have heard of this, right? You've got romantic love, you've got friendship love, you've got uh, God love, agape love. Those are wonderful, but I think the one that's often forgotten is storge love. And storge love is love for people you didn't choose, but people that through time together, you grew to love. And so it's the love that a brother has for his sister or a mom has for her son. You know, um, we choose our spouse, but our kids, God just gives us what he gives us. And we have to learn to love them. And that's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to learn to love people just by creating the space to be together. And sometimes it's the one that you didn't think you'd ever love, that if you just take some time and space, the opportunity arises and you learn to love them and to grow. So that's where community starts. It, create, it, it starts by just getting in the same space together. You know, when I hear you discuss this, uh, two words came to my mind, accidentally and purposefully. Uh, mm. I think a lot of folks want to live, quote, accidentally. Well, whatever happens will happen, and, and I'll deal with it then and so forth. But the Bible talks about it, and, of course, the great book uh, Rick Warren wrote, The Purpose Driven Life. But it really hit me purposeful. So when I hear you discuss this proximity and opportunity, you've really purposefully got to live that way when you say just it's not you know if you're just too casual about it and, and we've come to the place of casual worship and and I okay. I now again I'm not talking about the dress, you know. I, I am yep. talking about when you come to church uh in small groups or in the large group, as as my boys would call it when we were raising them, big church, yep. you know, uh, <laughs> yep. you know, yep. you need to be purposeful in all of those, don't you? You're not just floating alone, right? Yeah, we call it intentional community, right? And and it's a simple little phrase, but it just means that that the real church doesn't grow just by accident. It grows when we create the space for it. And and I, I am always amazed at how God does the work. Like, we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to be theologians. We just need to create the space and start talking about Him. And when we do, it's, it's, it's magic. It's amazing how hearts open up. People's lives are changed. God connects our hearts even deeper. And that leads actually to the second principle, this idea of vulnerability, that as we create the space, we learn to be vulnerable. And that vulnerability creates connection, right? And before you know it, you start to love that person because you learn their story. You uh, learn the details of their life. You start to care about them. And so this is how community grows. And it's so simple. And yet I think a lot of Christians, they're just not creating the opportunity because they're not getting close. They're not gathering on a consistent basis. And for a lot of us, it's like, well, yeah, I think it's right now the average American that attends church goes once every three weeks, right? So it's like, okay, you can't grow deep relationships, you know, once every three weeks. That's like 15, 20 times a year. It's not going to happen. You know, we see that in the book of Acts, it was far more consistent than that. Yeah, so, Justin, I'm hear, hearing your um, 
pretty much in depth how you've thought through um, what it means to be the church and what uh, the church, how it can be purposefully and intentionally um, about what, what the Bible teaches a church is and and how we can um, go about that and 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 grow in that. Um, and I heard you at the beginning of our interview uh, kind of share a vision of how you want to see New England become yeah. this a center point of 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 Jesus being glorified and made known, uh, the good news being shared, and people following Jesus, um, even in a place like New England, who at this point in history we would say is you know kind of maybe dry ground or difficult yeah. place. How so? How do you connect the two? How is this beautiful picture of what a church can be, how does that bring about uh, this gospel saturation and this and this transformation of of Jesus being Lord even in New England? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think that oftentimes we think that man, you know, New England we're often called the frozen chosen, right? And so <laughs> you know, people are uh, disconnected from God; they don't care. But what I would say though is that there is in every human heart, a longing to be known, a longing to have family, a longing to feel at home. And that's a longing from God. It's a longing that that comes from God. And so one of the primary ways that we do that here, and it's so simple, is by living with a spirit of hospitality. And we teach this at our church. We practice this at our church. And I think a lot of times we don't think of hospitality as a spiritual discipline, you know, But, um, but hospitality really is not just the really sweet lady who makes pies and gives them to people. You know, <laughs> hospitality is for every Christian to intentionally turn strangers into brothers and sisters. You know, to go out to those that are around you and be welcoming in your spirit, in your attitude. And so we talk a lot about that in the principle mission drives adventure. This idea that every single one of us is created for an adventure. And when we realize that the mission of Jesus, to see to seek and save the lost, to see people who are far from God come to Christ, that mission is the adventure of our lives, then what we, what we start to do is we start to practice a hospitable spirit towards those who are far from God, towards our neighbors. Sometimes we think, well, I have to agree with you. This is the American way. I have to agree with you on everything before I can be hospitable. You know, like we have to vote the same way. We have to raise our kids the same way. We have to do everything the same, and then I'll be hospitable to you. And that is just not the biblical model. The biblical model is, you know, Christians serving Roman citizens who were pagans while they were dying of a plague, Christians going in and giving their lives to, you know, um, to take care of those that were dying. And it was those acts of hospitality that changed the heart of the world, and so many came to Christ in those early days of our faith. And so... I think that's a big part of what it means to grow in community. Our guest today has been Justin Kendrick. He has written the book, The Sacred Us, and you can go to thesacredus.com, find out information. He's pastoring the Vox Church in New Haven, Connecticut, near Yale University. Justin, I want to tell you, we've enjoyed this and hearing what God is doing and what God is doing in New England, I'm praying that more church plants would happen all Amen. over the United States. Thank you for being with us, brother. Such an honor. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions, and we pray that God would use you 
where you are in your community to take the opportunity to share Christ and glorify Him. Thank you again for listening to Exploring Missions. Thank you.